Well, good morning. So you've already been told that Mitch is not here. He is at Camp Canaan. Now he's, getting the, he's up there getting ready for our kids who are coming later this afternoon. And he's been going through a series on 1 Timothy. I'm not going to continue the series. He's already worked on his next lesson. He'll be doing that next week. And it is Father's Day, so I want to say, also say Happy Father's Day. I hope that you're having a good day. Yes. I appreciate that. But I don't have a Father's Day sermon for you. So I hope you're not disappointed in that. Now, I will say something about football, so maybe that will help. I don't know. How many of you are directionally challenged? Raise your hand. We've got... Are there any men who are directionally challenged? Okay, there's one. And I know, Hewland, that you are. Caleb is too. Uh, Most of the people that raised their hands were women. Now, back when I was growing up, what people always thought was that men were too stubborn to ask for direction, right? I mean, they would... Amen. Okay. So they... They're trying to find their way to some location, and they're not going to stop and ask for direction. That's just not what they do. But also, when I was growing up, it was thought that women didn't know how to read maps. Now, that's not necessarily true, and it's not necessarily true that men fail, will fail to ask for directions. But here's something interesting today. Men don't have to ask for directions anymore, because if you have a phone, right? If you've got a phone, you've got GPS, and the one who usually tells you the directions on the phone is a woman. So just whatever that means. All right. Now, all of us are directionally challenged from time to time. We all struggle with that. If you know much about football, you may have heard of a person by the name of Jim Marshall. Jim Marshall played for Minnesota Vikings back in the 60s and 70s. Uh, he was a part of the Purple People Eaters defensive line. He played for 20 consecutive seasons, 282 consecutive games, started in 270 of those games. I think he had 127 sacks. So he was a pretty good football player, went to two Pro Bowls, but he's not in the Hall of Fame. Well, he he wasn't named to the Hall of Fame. There's a video of him in the Hall of Fame. In 1964, he was a part of one of the most famous plays in football. They were playing the 49ers. Billy Kilmer was a receiver for the 49ers. He caught a pass, turned up field, and was tackled. And as he was being tackled, he fumbled the ball. And Jim Marshall picked up the ball, and he ran 66 yards into the end zone untouched. He threw the ball in off the field because he was excited. He scored a touchdown and turned around and realized he went to the wrong end zone. <laughs> now, one of the bad things about it was one of the 49ers guys came up to him and patted him on the back and said, thanks for the extra points. Fortunately for him, they did not lose the game. They won by five points. So, and, and, and in fact, he was a part of the reason they scored that extra, those extra points because he caused another fumble later on that was run back for a touchdown by one of his players. Now, he received a letter, just a note in the mail, a couple of weeks later from a guy named Roy. Now, Roy, in 1929, had played for the University of California in the Rose Bowl, and he did the exact same thing. Wrong Way Roy was his name. And his note said simply, welcome to the club. (laughs) 
So if you are directionally challenged, if you've ever had a time where you've gone north when you thought you were going south, or you turned on a one-way street going the wrong way, or couldn't see where you were at, or thought you were here but you were actually there, that happens to a lot of us, so welcome to the club. We struggle with those types of things at times, and especially spiritually, that'll happen to us. This mountain that you see on the screen is called Mount Antero. It's in uh, the Colorado Rockies. And it was actually the first mountain that I got to climb on Wilderness Trek. Now, we didn't climb in the winter, so it didn't have all that snow on it. There was some snow when we climbed it, but not near as much as there. It's 14,269 feet, I think. Now, one of the things that's important for us when we uh, climb a mountain on Trek is we need to have guides because... We didn't grow up in Colorado. We haven't climbed those mountains before. We don't know the trails. So we need somebody to take us there, to lead the way, to help us to get to where we need to go if we want to get to the summit. And so we have guides to take us, and they would be on the trip with us. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, the writer of Hebrews encourages us to fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. He says, look to Jesus. He's basically saying, let him guide you. Because he's the one who's written the book on it. He knows how to take care of things in life. He knows how to deal with things in life. And he is the perfecter of our faith, the completer. He's the one who can bring us to the end of our journey to be successful. So Jesus is the one that we should fix our eyes on. But sometimes it's hard to see him, isn't it? I mean, did any of you hear Jesus preach? Or see any of his miracles? Did you see him raised from the dead? And so when the writer of Hebrews says something like this, it's kind of hard for us to grasp because we think the people in the New Testament, they had it easier than us. They actually heard the things that Jesus said. They, they were closer to the situation. And then we read a passage like this in 1 Peter. It says, though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now... You believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. So even the people in the first century, there were some of them who had not seen Jesus. They didn't see his miracles either. And what Peter tells them is you are filled with joy. You have faith, which means that even though we haven't seen him, we too can have faith and we can be filled with joy. But this idea, this problem that we have of Uh, not being able to see him, what is it that God does for us to help us if he's not sitting here right in front of us? Well, when we were on trek, there were times that we might come to a fork in the road. We may have a trail that splits off. Now, there may be up to 20 people in our group, and usually they would have a guide at the beginning who would walk much faster than most of us, and another guide at the end who would help to make sure that we didn't lose anybody. But I was usually in the middle somewhere because I wasn't fast. And there were sometimes I wanted to be really, really slow, but because I was a youth minister, I couldn't do it. So, all right. So I had to keep going. But there would be times where you would be in the middle and you wouldn't see anybody in front of you. You might have somebody walking alongside of you or something like that but you wouldn't see anybody behind you either. And then you'd come to a place like this. 
and they had to have some way to tell us which way to go. So what they would do is they would take these sticks and they would uh, make an arrow. Let's say you're going up the hill there. They'd make an arrow out of the sticks and put it on the trail. So you know that's the way you need to go. But they would also put an X on the other one and say, don't go that way. Or they would take a stack of rocks called a kern and they would put it on the trail that they wanted you to follow. So they would give you clues so that you would know what direction to take even if you couldn't see the guide. Does God do that for us? Does he help us with those types of things? In Psalms 119, which is the longest psalm in the Psalms and is a psalm completely about the word of God and about the law of God, he says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. So what the writer there is telling us is that God's word helps us to see the way. It helps us to see the path that God wants us to take. In the book of John, John wrote these words. He said, Jesus did many other miraculous signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. And that by believing, you may have life in his name. So what John is telling us is that there are a lot of things that I've written down so that you can know who Jesus is, so you can actually see him, so you can understand what he's about, so that you can believe in him and have life in his name. So God gives us his word so that it can be a guide for us. But he also gives us his spirit. In John 16, 13, when Jesus is talking to his apostles before he is crucified and dies and then ascends, he says, but when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on his own. He will, not, he will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. So he's encouraging his apostles that even though they've heard the words of Jesus, it's possible that they could forget, or maybe they didn't understand completely, and we know that they didn't understand everything completely. The spirit was going to guide them into all the truth so that they would know. In Romans chapter 8, it's a chapter that talks to us about God's Spirit and God's Spirit being within us. He said, for those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. So what God tells us is that he gives us his word to guide us, but he also gives us his spirit to guide us. And the question is, are we listening? Are we paying attention to what his spirit has said? Are we following these clues? And we can follow them. We can try, strive to follow those things, read God's word, and try to pay attention to his spirit. But still, we get off track sometimes, don't we? We still struggle with those things. In Matthew chapter 13, Jesus tells a parable about the sower and the seed. You guys probably remember this. The sower, the farmer, is throwing out the seed, which is the word of God. And he's throwing it on different types of ground. And the ground represents the hearts of the people. And some of them accept it well, and some of them don't. One of them he refers to is in 22. He says, The one who received the seed that fell among the thorns is a man who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke it, making it unfruitful. And so we might hear God's word, and then there's something else that gets in the way, and it chokes out the importance of it, or actually may even cause us to not see Jesus, not to be able to fix our eyes on him. In Matthew chapter 19, Jesus tells, well, there's another story where Jesus is talking to a young man who is a wealthy man. This man walks up to Jesus. He says, what do I need to do to inherit eternal life? 
And Jesus says, we need to obey the commands. His question is, well, which commands? So Jesus mentions some of them, like, don't murder, obey your father and mother, and some others. And the man says, I've done all these things. What else do I need to do? And so Jesus' response to him was, well, go and sell everything that you have, give it to the poor, and then come follow me. And it says that the man walked away sadly because he had great wealth. You see, for him, his money was more important than Jesus. He wasn't willing to follow. That wealth choked out the word. And so all of us have things that we struggle with, right? What is it for you? Is it your money? Is it your job? Is it your family? Could it be uh, your own entertainment and your own desires? Could it be band? Could it be football? Could it be some other sport? The thing is that even good things, even volunteer work can get in the way of us following Christ if it becomes more important than Him. And if it takes our eyes off of Him. All of these things can be struggles, can be thorns, can choke out God's word. But he also says worries of this life. There are things that we don't have control over that can enter into our lives and affect us in such a way that we lose sight of Jesus. It could be doubts that we have. It could be loss that we experience either through the loss of a loved one or a loss in a relationship. It could be an illness that we deal with. It could be the the loss of a job. It could be that somebody has hurt us in a relationship, somebody that we trusted. It could be doubt that we experience. The Bible is full of all kinds of people like Moses and Elijah and Job and others who struggled with some of these things. Those things can take our view off of Jesus and we can go down the wrong path as a result of the struggles and the worries that we may experience. But it's not always something like that. Sometimes it's actually sin. You remember David, don't you? A great king, a man after God's own heart, Acts 18. We read that. A man who's very passionate about God. And yet... As king, a man who's passionate about God, he chose poorly. He saw a woman one night. He decided that he wanted to have her, and as king, he could do whatever he wanted to. And so he calls her into his room. They sleep together. She becomes pregnant. And now he's got a problem because she's married. And so he tries some different ways to solve the problem and discovers that it's not going to work. So his solution is to have her husband killed. And when that happens and he takes her as his wife and he thinks he's got it all taken care of until Nathan the prophet confronts him. And when Nathan confronts David, David basically falls to his knees. He confesses his sin and later he writes this psalm. And in the psalm he says, hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities speaking to God. 
It says, create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. Grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. When he says, create in me a pure heart, do you remember what Jesus said about those with pure hearts? Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. David wants to see God. He doesn't want to be removed from his presence. But the problem is that sin does that so easily. Are you struggling with something today? Is there a sin in your life that maybe other people don't know about, but you know about, and it really is taking your eyes, it's taking your eyes off of Jesus? God is calling us to something better. So why do we, how do we stay on track? I know that we're not perfect. We talked about that in our class earlier today, that we all stumble, we make mistakes, we're not perfect, and we need to rely on Christ to help us. But that's why it's so important for us to keep our eyes fixed on Him. We've talked about some of these things already. We need to seek to understand where God is leading us through His Word. Now, I know that that can be hard sometimes because some of the things in Scripture are difficult to understand. And if you've ever tried to read Leviticus, sometimes it's difficult to read through, right? We get bored really easy in our society. But it's so important for us to have His Word on our heart. If you have a hard time reading it, get it on your phone and listen to it. Sometimes it gives you a little bit different perspective when you can actually hear it being read to you, spoken to you. But whatever you need to do, make a habit of being in his word and seeking to understand. And if you don't get it all the time, that's okay. Because the apostles didn't get it all the time either. But remember what they were given, the spirit to guide them. God gives us his spirit as well. So keep in step with the spirit. Well, how do, how do you do that? In Genesis, uh, Galatians 5, it, talk, it says that phrase, keep in step with the spirit. So how do we know whether we're keeping in step with the Spirit? We might have a pretty good clue if we are practicing the fruit of the Spirit. Like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness. I left one out, self-control. Goodness, thank you very much. Okay. So if you are growing in those qualities, then you might be listening to the Spirit. I think that's a pretty good clue that you are. That you might not get it right every time. That's why we need Jesus. But if you're following the Spirit, if you're being led by the Spirit, then you're going to be practicing those things, and those things are going to be growing in your life. There's one thing we haven't talked about. We need to encourage one another along the journey. In Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 and 25, it tells us that we shouldn't forsake meeting together, but that we should encourage one another. Now, we meet with each other in a number of different ways. Sometimes it's here in this big room together. Sometimes it's in our Bible classes. It might be at VBS. It could be when we go out to lunch after this, that you might be eating lunch with some other people that are here. It could be in a small group. It could be when you're on a disaster relief trip. It could be when you go on a mission trip or you go to camp. But all of those times are when we gather together and we can encourage each other in our faith. God calls us to encourage one another. 
That's part of our responsibility as, as a body of people. You know, one of the things about climbing that mountain, as you do that, one of the main things that really helps you to finish is the encouragement of other people. I remember on Antero that first year, nobody had made a summit that year, but when we went later in June, because the weather had been so bad. Well, as we went up on summit day, up to the, the peak, the clouds were low. Now, they weren't storm clouds. They were just, it's almost like you're walking in fog. It was just low. And it was pretty thick. And so you couldn't see real far. Maybe 50, 100 feet in front of you. We got up on a ridge where there were some rocks that just above our heads, not too high above our heads, and a trail about that wide, and then rocks with a steep incline. Now, you could see so far down. It wasn't a sheer drop-off. It was just a steep incline. Now, you couldn't see down very far. So you didn't know if there was a cliff somewhere close by or not, because we had never been there before. The guides knew, but they're not going to tell us. They just want us to stay on the path. And so we're on this path. We're trying to get to the summit. We're all tired, and some of us are feeling sick and all of that stuff. And there's a girl behind me named Katie, And she looks at me and she says, what in the world are we doing up here? This is crazy. I can't believe we're up here. And then the next breath, she turns around. She goes, come on, everybody, you can do it. She she calls out people's names. You can make it. Keep going one foot in front of the other. And then you hear somebody else say the same thing. And up and down the line, people were encouraging one another as you continued walking up the trail. Even the people who had a hard time encouraging they might not have much breath, but they just go, oh, you can, yeah. <laughs> that kind of stuff. And we made it to the summit. You see, God calls us to be active participants in this, to seek, inf- to seek guidance from his word, to seek guidance from his spirit, and to encourage one another along the way. The thing is, we're going to face various struggles. We're going to have times that we doubt. We're going to have times that we feel weak. We're going to have times that we make mistakes. But that's why it's so important for us to be reminded of how much God loves us, what God has done for us, by being familiar with what his word says. That's why it's so important for us to remember that God has given us his spirit so he doesn't leave us alone. That's why it's important for us to remember each other so that we can help each other and build one another up. So where are you at today? Are you struggling with something? Are you having doubts? Have you not started the journey yet? This is a journey that we are on together. And we're here to encourage one another, to pray for each other, to help each other, to answer questions. We might not always have the answers, but we can still talk with each other and listen to each other's hearts. So my encouragement to you this morning is if there's something you need to share with regard to that, if you need help with that, let us know. If you're ready to begin the journey with Jesus, to make that commitment to him, talk to us so we can talk to you about how that happens. If there's a way that we can help you this morning, the ministers and elders will be gathered around the auditorium. We encourage you to come and talk with us as we stand and sing.